Welcome to Deutsche Bank's Horizon Scanning, where we examine emerging threats and opportunities facing the economy. I'm your host, Christiana Riley, CEO of Deutsche Bank in the Americas. Today, we conclude our three-part series on economic inequality in the United States. Having previously unpacked the state of economic inequality and explored technology as a possible solution or driver of future disparities, Today, we're turning to the potential policy solutions being pursued by the Biden administration. Antonio White joins us from the U.S. Department of Treasury, where he is the Deputy Assistant Secretary for the Office of Community Engagement. So, Antonio, your office shifted from the Office of Business Engagement to the Office of Community Engagement under the Biden administration. Clearly, that's a symbolic shift. Tell us a little bit what that means in terms of your day-to-day focus. Absolutely. Uh, Well, let me just start and just sort of give a sense of what the mission is for this office. Um, Our objective as the Office of Community Engagement is to deepen the department's insights, relationships, and partnerships with stakeholders around five key objectives. So an equitable recovery, financial stability, international economic engagement, racial equity, and climate change. I actually had the privilege of serving as senior advisor in the former Office of Business Affairs under the Obama administration. And we were just recovering from obviously the Great Recession. And so protecting the financial sector, making sure that we were strengthening uh, its ability to limit risk was a core priority. And so we mostly focused on our engagement with the business and financial sector. And we did do some engagement with community partners, uh, but it wasn't as robust as it was with the business and financial sector. Uh, what COVID-19 taught us in particular is that uh, workers' communities are interconnected with business and corporations in the financial sector, and they depend on each other. Uh, and one can't succeed without the other, if I may sort of use that, that framing. And, and I think even when you look at financial institutions, Financial institutions stepped up to the plate and provided such great resources, providing PPP loans, helping with economic impact payments, helping us get child tax credit payments out uh, to everyday workers, really working with the government and uh, with our institutions to make sure that we were meeting the needs of workers and businesses to help people persist through the economy. Uh, And so what that showed us is that we had to widen the aperture and our outreach and engagement with communities to make sure that the work that we were actually doing during the recovery from the pandemic was meeting the needs on what people were seeing and feeling in their individual communities, Uh, particularly because working with community organizations, they're trusted in their communities. They know where the needs are. They can provide us with insights and things that we can't see here in Washington. Um, And the issues were just so massive uh, that we needed them. Uh, One example that I'll give right now is that we're actually working with faith-based communities on our efforts to increase awareness around the emergency rental assistance program. Uh, As you know, the eviction moratorium has been lifted across the country and so many stand to lose their homes. And so what we've been doing, working a great deal with is with some large faith-based communities to make sure that they're able to reach their uh, parishioners who might be landlords or tenants to make sure they have access to tools and resources to help them know what can I do within my city or my state to make sure that I can keep people in their home, to make sure that we're also supporting landlords who just need to make sure that they stay afloat for their businesses. And that can't be done alone with just our traditional way of outreach. We need people who know the people on the ground. Uh, and that's the only way we get to that equitable recovery 
which ultimately strengthens all the other aspects of things that we want to do as a treasury department on the financial stability front, on the racial equity front, and even on the climate change front. You talk about your efforts in promoting an equitable recovery out of the COVID pandemic. I hosted a conversation with some of our leading uh, Deutsche Bank macroeconomists and others, uh, economists looking at the shape of the recovery, who pointed very much to that deep concern uh, that indeed we need to stay focused on promoting equity in the recovery to avoid exacerbation uh, of income inequality in this country. Talk to me about how you do that in an average day uh, in your work. What is the Treasury Department's engagement with community organizations and how are you promoting that message? That's a great question, thank you. Um, I'll just say this, the Secretary has been pretty vocal and on the record talking about uh, how you would not want to have one particular aspect of the economy whose potential is pretty much locked up. You want to unleash that potential so that you could get growth out of that and that that growth is good for the economy in general. And so on, on one side of the coin, you have all this potential that is yet to be unleashed. And so you want to make sure that you're providing resources and you're doing fiscal policy that unleashes that potential. Uh, and then on the other side of the coin, it's just simply the right thing to do. Uh, the secretary gave a speech earlier this summer uh, in Atlanta uh, that I traveled with her to uh, at Invest Atlanta with Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms. And she noted that when she started studying economics in the 60s, um, that black wealth, household wealth was a fraction of what white household wealth was. And over her multi-decade years of experience studying and working in the financial sector, not much has actually changed. Uh, and so in her view, if we want to get the great society, if we want to get the economic growth uh, that we like as a country, if we like to see more innovation, uh, then you have to provide resources. You have to look at systemic barriers, ways in which these communities have not been served and serve them. Uh, and you have to create fiscal policies uh, that improve the outcomes here. One of the ways we've been working on that here at the Treasury is making sure that through the American Rescue Plan, uh, that we're making sure that people who are on the front lines, who are essential workers, who tend to be black and brown people, um, have access to premium pay, they have access to the child tax credit so that they can invest in family services, they can invest in resources that make their families more secure, make them more confident in returning to work. Uh, but then also on the access to capital side, what you've seen is a significant amount of infusion in capital into community development financial institutions since this administration took office. Um, Earlier this summer, uh, Secretary Yellen alongside Vice President Harris announced $1.25 billion in access to capital, which is part of a broader $9 billion infusion of access to capital to community lenders so that they can lend directly to institutions that serve Black and Latino tribal communities that help them start businesses, that help them purchase homes. Uh, and the reason why I wanna stress that particular program is because CDFIs were founded in 1994. And over the span of that time and about more or less 20 or so years, just under $4 billion have been invested and poured into CDFIs. What we're seeing through this policy alone is double that in about a year span. So now you'll have in about 20 plus years, $4 billion but through this administration in about 
one year's time, you'll see $9 billion being infused into CDFIs. And so this is part of this effort to unleash potential, providing capital so that you can see the next wave of entrepreneurs and communities that traditionally not been served by the financial sector have access to start businesses, start enterprises, and be able to purchase affordable homes, be able to grow their communities and be able to build wealth in that way. And so um, what I do is making sure that as we're developing these policies that when we look around the table and we see when we're talking to financial institutions or banks, what banks are represented, who's missing from the conversation, who's connected to the community, how do we make sure that their voices are reflected in the conversation and the policies that we're doing? Uh, because it's part of the insights uh, that we gather as a treasury uh, that allows us to build the best policies that protect as many people as possible, that empower as many people as possible, both workers and businesses alike. So huge, broad-reaching programs uh, with significant resources behind them that you talk about. Um, and you gave the very powerful example of the you know, lack of movement in the relative household income between Black families and, and white families. Beyond metrics such as that, how is it that you at Treasury are looking to really measure uh, the impact of the resources that you're putting to work in these programs? Yeah, that's a really good point. And, you know, I would say that the Biden administration and, and this treasury has really been focused on making sure that not only we promote an equitable recovery, but we invest in the country in ways that promote sustainability and growth and innovation. I think you see that through the Build Back Better plan, the bipartisan infrastructure bill, uh, and some of the American Jobs and Family Plan proposals. Um, in our view, that is, I think broadly, if I, if I may speak in this way, that's how we're measuring success, the degree to which we're able to make these investments in these critical pieces of policy that in ways that protect families, in ways that invest in our infrastructure, in ways that uh, help people access homes, the ways that we bolster our institutions of higher learning, the ways in which we invest in R&D and technology uh, to be able to grow the future for the next generation is the way in which I think we're at a macro level measuring success. Uh, but for me at a, at a very personal level, um, the way I'm measuring success for this office is how many new partners are we touching? How many people say, you know what, Treasury has not traditionally engaged my organization or seen us um, as a valuable partner, uh, but you made me feel seen and heard because the economy matters to me and my community as well. Um, the amount, the degree to which people say that we are responsive and attentive and empathetic uh, to their issues, the many more perspectives that I can bring into the Treasury uh, on a particular issue uh, to help inform our policy making, help inform our perspective, uh, the ways in which we can transform the ways the public views the treasury um, in this new administration is how I'm personally measuring success. And so um, we're all working towards the Build Back Better plan. But for me, I'd like to be able to open the door to as many more partners as possible so that they view treasury as an open door. That's a fantastic goal, but we know that you can't uh, achieve that in isolation. I think we all know far too well uh, that Treasury and the administration need the partnership of Congress. Talk to me a little bit about that interplay uh, and, and what support do you need uh, from, from the legislative side to help promote this agenda? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, you know, based on the way our government works, we do require uh, collaboration across the administration. and. Uh, one thing that I'm really thrilled to see, uh, and I know that 
many of my colleagues across the department are thrilled to see is that there is a ton of common ground around the bipartisan infrastructure bill. Uh, many people agree that we need to repair our bill, our bridges, we need to invest in infrastructure, we need to be able to create conditions for workers to have more opportunities and jobs, we need to be able to repair our roads and our bridges and, and make sure that we are right sizing it with uh, where we are as a country and nation in our in this current time and moment. And so I think that there's shared agreement across Congress on that. And I, and I think even when you think about things like community development, uh, financial institutions, there has always been some bipartisan agreement on that across the aisle. Uh, and so we continue to look for ways where we can find common ground on those issues. Um, as you well know, building policy takes some time. And so uh, we look for the common ground and, you know, speaking personally and not on behalf of the Treasury, uh, there's always opportunity for a debate, uh, but I think where we can find common ground is where we can work. So. Antonio, thanks for those insights and for this very broad reaching conversation. We wish you tremendous uh, success with your agenda and everything that you on behalf of the Treasury are trying to do to promote equity across this recovery and engage uh, deep into communities. So thank you very much for a great conversation today. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Horizon Scanning has been produced by Deutsche Bank and is intended for general information purposes only. By accessing Horizon Scanning, you confirm that you are entitled to do so in accordance with your own regulatory requirements. Any opinions, estimates or projections discussed in this podcast constitute the current judgment of the speaker at the time of recording and do not represent a formal or official view of Deutsche Bank. Deutsche Bank does not make any representations or warranties in respect of the currency, accuracy or completeness of any information included in this podcast or the reasonableness of any opinions expressed. Information included may not be complete or up to date for your purposes and is subject to change. For further disclosures and other important information, please visit research.db.com.